Hi everybody, it's Pete Coombs here from The Backdrop Crew and uh, <clears throat> yeah, without a doubt it's uh, become official, it's something that I knew before but now it's uh, definitely been cemented into the depths of my brain that um, I hate summer, <laughs> there's uh, no getting away from it, it's been absolutely sweltering and uh, record breaking here in the UK, it hit 40 degrees for the first time and um yeah what can i say it's um just been like indoors sheltering from the uh, proverbial storm of boilingness but you know it was pretty cool still the summer's uh, coming to a close now and i've uh, been getting lots of climbing in so that's great and i'm just back from albania with the family where for some reason, it was uh, compulsory to spend the first week of, of a two-week break on the beach. And um, basically, I was in the sea, and uh, and then I was hiding in the shade for a week. But then we um, went up to the Accursed Mountains, and we did some hiking in the Accursed Mountains, um, which is bordering um, Kosovo and uh, Montenegro. And we looked into Albania when we were um, splitboarding in Kosovo last year with the Lynx uh, Snowcat crew. And yeah, we thought we'd go check it out. And we did some amazing hiking in the Valbona and Tef valleys. And yeah, Albania's the bomb. I mean, apart from being boiling hot, the food was great, and the mountains are amazing, um, and it was both amazing and absolutely crap at the same time, because there was just junk and litter everywhere. But anyway, I hope you managed to survive my least favourite season of summer, um, and you managed to uh, avoid the forest fires, and um, I don't know, cancerous burning of your skin. But yeah... We're um, we're heading towards the winter, which a lot of people get a little bit depressed about. But personally, I get really excited about heading into those dark nights because I know I'm going to be getting back on my board, which is great. Um, but just before uh, or I chat about our next pod, um, we've got a couple of events coming up just before I manage to get back on the board and out into the mountains. So... On the 15th and 16th of October, we will be at the National Ski Show at the Birmingham NEC. And um, we're just there to represent splitboarding. And uh, I'll be giving a bit of a talk on the skills stage too. And you can just come by um, over the weekend and basically have a chat with us about kit and destinations and safety and just, you know, whatever takes your fancy really to do with splitboarding in the backcountry. Um, if you want to save yourself a tenner, uh, you can go to the nationalsnowshow.com uh, ticket page and uh, just whop in backdrop as your code and you'll get free tickets. So that's cool. And if you come see us, um, we are giving away a Furberg split board, which um, is is not to be sniffed at. They're amazing boards with the sort of uh, 
linking technology, tongue and groove technology in between the two skis which hold the build really firmly in place and make it totally ride like a solid board. So you can come check out one of those um, and see if you can win it. And also we have two £50 vouchers to give away from the guys at backcountrybooks.com where they have all of the guidebooks that you need and maps on um, destinations all around the world and not just on backcountry touring but also uh, trail running, mountain biking they've got some artwork and maps and bits and bobs it's a very cool site, you should check it out it's backcountrybooks.com anyway so come see us that would be really cool and uh, we also have a film night and a sort of general get together at Chimera Climbing which is in Tunbridge Wells which is in Kent and it's just south of London you can get the train there um, direct from London Bridge, Charing Cross and Waterloo East to High Brooms is the nearest train station and then it's just a couple of minutes walk and uh, that's a free to enter event we're just going to pop on a few films some of them are ours, some of them are from uh, people we know and uh, just good films that we've sourced and there'll be a bar open uh, we're hoping to maybe get some food but that's not confirmed yet and we'll be showing films from Kyrgyzstan, Iceland, Norway, Georgia and possibly a few other destinations too um, and you can yeah, just come down and meet us really we just want to try to build a community one of the reasons we started Backdrop Journal was just to literally reach out and try and, and build a sort of community of like-minded people and um, we're slowly doing that and those two events will be our first actual sort of you know press the flesh events so come meet us and have a chat It'd be really cool to see you both for free if you use the voucher for the snow show and um, come on down at Chimera Climbing is um, the manager there Danny big shout out to him he's just given us the uh, the venue for free so we don't have to charge any money we're just going to show some films uh, Danny's a big snowboarder too so um, we've sort of uh, befriended each other and and yeah generally in the summer just bitch about how hot it is but anyway back to um, to the pod uh, this edition of the pod was recorded back in um, or in late August with me and Andy Bill and Ilya Brulava from the Georgia Guide Office. Um, Ilya's a really interesting guy. Um, we met him just before the lockdown, so a couple of years back now, um, in Georgia, in the Mestia region, which is a wonderful, wonderful part of the world. Massive, big, high mountains, loads of them, with, um, you know, first descent still on offer. And we had a great week riding with Ilya. And... Um, You'll learn more about, about his setup and, and what he's achieved over there uh, in the pod. Um, super, super interesting startup of a guide office and managed to get um, global recognition for uh, or international recognition for the, for the guiding and the guides out there. And um, yeah, yeah, I just think he's he's... He's such a lovely guy and we had such a blast there that we're actually, as a crew, we're heading back there to do a seven-day village-to-village tour. Last time we were based in Mestia and sort of doing a, going out doing day trips, but this time we're doing a, a sort of village-to-village trip from the Ushba, 
um, village, which is uh, sat below the very famous mountain of Ushba itself. And uh, we'll be going all the way, hopefully, over through Mestia to Ushguli, which is um, a UNESCO World Heritage Site because of the, the siege towers there. Anyway, we're hoping to do that in February. Um, um, and that's pretty much a result of having a chat with him uh, just back in August. Um, and he sort of sowed the little seed of the idea. And, and yeah, we're up for it. So we're going. And um, if you want to learn more about Georgia or any of the destinations we've been to recently, then yeah, please come and see us at, uh, at the National Snow Show in Birmingham or at uh, Chimera on the 19th of November. That's 7.30 that will be starting. And um, if you do want to have a chat or, or you know, rec receive any other info about about anything or ideas or kit or anything, you can always just email us, uh, crew at backdropjournal.com. Anyway, sit back, enjoy the tunes, enjoy Ilya's chat, and um, yoo-hoo, we're heading towards winter. Speak soon. I'm really good. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, it's good to see you. Nice to I'm see you. Hi, fellas. Hey. Oh, he's in. He's in. Hi. Hi. I found it. Ilya. Hey. How are you? Fine, fine. How are you? Yes, pretty well. Sweltering here in Portugal. Um, oh. By the coast. But I imagine, actually, it's probably pretty hot for you, isn't it? Up in the... It is now. I'm in Tbilisi, and in Tbilisi is uh, yeah. quite hot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For once, I think I might be able to out trump you all because uh, it's absolutely boiling in Kent. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean twenty six degrees, Pete? Oh, I mean thirty something. It's really hot today. We're having a heat wave. It's supposed uh -huh. to, there's a a national weather warning coming because it's going to be so hot. Mm. Ah, yeah, I hear that. I just came back from uh, from Amsterdam a few days ago, and then they were like in the news that the heat wave is coming. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, you got out in just in time. Um, what were you doing in Amsterdam? Uh, my friend is living there, so just went to visit her, and uh, yeah, then went to the festival and just like being around. Ah, what what festival? It's uh, down to the rabbit hole. Okay, sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there was like uh, gorillas and Tommy York with his new uh, band Smile. So like quite a cool. Um, yeah. Lineup. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Huge, huge, uh, huge festival with camping and like three days. Yeah. Ah, man, that sounds great. Fun. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too hedonistic then. It wasn't too too much drinking and other things that Amsterdam is famous for. 
Uh, no, no. I mean, I'm like last three, four years, I'm already going there because she's living there. And then like, I'm, <laughs> I'm used to handle Amsterdam and then, yeah, that kind of festivals. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's probably enough said on the matter. everybody welcome to the backdrop journal ffs podcast with me pete coombs and andy bill from the backdrop crew hi andy hello peter you good i'm very well thank you great and today we have the great pleasure of being joined by Ilya berulava i probably pronounced that wrong but i hope it's okay um who is the head guide and founder of the georgia guide office so hi Ilya. Hi. And uh, I believe that you're in Tbilisi, but your operation mainly runs out of the Mestia village. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Tbilisi now, but mainly in, in Swaneti region. Yeah. And could you uh, just tell us a little bit, Ilya, about, um, about yourself and sort of where you're from and how you got into to skiing? I don't think you snowboard. Do you snowboard at all? Not at all. Oh, well, we need to change that. But um, no time for that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you could just tell us a little bit about I don't know where you where you were a child and stuff, and maybe how you first got into the mountains and and skiing and and sort of backcountry touring. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm from Georgia. I was born in uh, the capital Tbilisi. Uh, uh, from the very childhood, I was with the parents and friends of uh, families and friends always were going to the camping and the mountains uh, because uh, Georgia is uh, Georgian terrain is uh, quite uh, quite mixed. So we have a lot of mountains and uh, you don't need to go really far away. So in one day you can just go somewhere near for camping and easy climbing. So I was always doing that kind of uh, uh, experience in the childhood. And then, um, I don't know, like slowly, slowly. And then like one day I wake up and, oh my God, yeah, I'm in the mountains. I'm doing it professionally. <laughs> There's no way out. <laughs> and plus I like it. So <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's how I uh, got on this uh, uh, field. Uh, then uh, um, I started it to uh, go more and more professionally. So I started to become a mountain guide. I did some trainings here in Georgia, and then I went in France, uh, Chamonix, for uh, IFMGA international uh, certification. Uh, so a few years ago, I did that. Uh, then uh, I had a lot of requests in, in, in France to stay there. Uh, but uh, I decided to come back to Georgia because like I saw how, uh, how the, the life in Chamonix, like this, uh, this uh, mountain life in Chamonix and guide life in Chamonix. So that's 
what was my motivation to come back and build that kind of community uh, and uh, life uh, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I felt that Swanet is the best place for that. Uh, great mountains, near, um, beautiful terrain, very mixed terrain for summer and uh, winter. And yeah, that's, I thought like, yeah, this is a place where, uh, where it can become uh, uh, that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, uh, playground, <laughs> let's say. Uh, so they, yeah, then I stayed there and uh, we built uh, with my partners, local partners, also mountain guides, uh, uh, guide office uh, in that area. And when, when was that? When did you open that? Uh, four years ago. And I guess I've got to ask about um, the pandemic because uh, the last snowboarding that, that I did before the pandemic was with you in Georgia and then my family came over I was I spent a week um just to explain to to the listeners I spent a week with the crew we did some amazing touring we could talk more about that later and then my family came over and we we did a week um just sort of resort skiing and backcountry skiing off off of the off of the pistes um and everybody was sort of really dismissive oh there's this new new virus oh I don't think it's going to be much no and little did we know that would be the last boarding we did for, for like 18 months, basically. So, I mean, how, how did your business cope with that? Uh, yeah, actually that year, uh, the before pandemic, it was the most busy and active uh, uh, season for summer and winter. So there were some periods where we were looking for the guides for the groups and all of the guides were busy. So, yeah, so... Uh, we were like um, very motivated that we saw that uh, Swanetti is becoming uh, uh, so popular uh, because it's still new area. Yeah, like it just opened some years ago. So uh, I think everyone was curious to see that uh, that area. And then suddenly, like very suddenly, pandemic uh, came. Uh, and uh, yeah, as most of the most of the companies and guides, we were more paused uh, for, for, for that time. Uh, but uh, still we had some, uh, some, some, some guests, mainly uh, locals and mainly from uh, foreigners for embassies and who is living in Georgia and uh, they want to do something, but they can travel. Uh, so mainly we were working with, uh, with embassies. Uh, but same time we have uh, uh, we have um, a school, uh, adventure tourist school, uh, where we teach uh, future mountain guides. Uh, so uh, that part became also very uh, that, that part became very busy because a lot of people had uh, much more time to improve or get new skills uh, because not a lot of things were happening. Uh, so we got a lot of requests uh, for Georgians to become mountain guide. Oh, amazing! Uh, and plus, uh, because uh, all of our training uh, and education is uh, uh, outside on the field, so we were more or less safe uh, for the for 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 the uh, for the uh, COVID. So also. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, education Ministry of Education, they uh, they uh, let us to do this kind of uh, training. So the most of the, maybe all of the universities and schools were closed in Georgia, 
and mm -hmm. we were the only one <laughs> was still uh, doing trainings because we were in the mountains. Open air classrooms. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's great. That's, that's, yeah, that's really amazing. Well, um, were the lifts, did they remain open? There's the chair lifts and technology uh, and stuff. Chair lifts uh, uh, in the first winter, uh, they closed early. And then the second year, they opened it uh, late, like at the end of the season. So more or less uh, uh, were closed. But it's also uh, what triggered for, uh, for, for touring. So a lot of people started touring. So in Georgia, there was uh, <laughs> uh, in the shops, there was no way you can buy uh, hiking shoes, like uh, touring shoes. <laughs> and skis like sold out. And of course, for them it was also hard to get a new one. So yeah, and then you see in the, in, in the ski, ski resorts, how many uh, beginners and the beginning from, from beginners to professionals, how many people were uh, ski touring. So that was, uh, that was nice, to, nice to see. The snowshoes yeah. probably became quite a bit, quite popular yeah. again. Yeah, I think that was the story across a lot of Europe. Obviously, all the lifts shot in the majority of Europe. Um, Switzerland sort of remained open sporadically. But, um, yeah, you couldn't, for love nor money, buy a split board. It was pretty impossible to find. They just all sold out really quickly. And then um, with regards to the college courses or university courses, whatever, outdoor mountain school, um, what sort of age group of people were you getting? All age, of course, after school. So from 18 and uh, we don't have a, like a roof age. So there's a no top age. Yes. If uh, there are, you do some, uh, you do some uh, um, exams to pass and you, you need to have some experience uh, because uh, we are, uh, we're teaching them how to guide. So we don't teach them how to ski or climb. Uh, yeah. So they, they, they have to have some uh, level and experience. And uh, yeah, after uh, 18, they, they just come, can come and start. Uh, but usually 18 is too, too early because they don't have uh, enough uh, experience. And right. or, or perhaps some maturity. Uh, so from like, from, from 30 and up. Yeah, so this is the, the, the mainly uh, age we have in our school. Mm. And uh, how many how many uh, guides are registered at the moment, and what what sort of numbers are coming through from the education program? Yeah, that was interesting to see. Like before before pandemic, uh, we had uh, uh, around 20, uh, 25 participants, and from there, uh, let's say around like fifteen or sixteen uh, successfully finished the education. Uh, but then the, during the pandemic, it was triple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, but we also did some uh, like um, more trainings. We did trainings for hikers and for like a short uh, uh, safety trainings, uh, avalanche trainings, uh, so all kinds of trainings. So that's why number was uh, so big. But at this moment, we have around uh, 50. 50 uh, mounting guides, mm. uh, around 100 uh, trekking, uh, trekking guides, and uh, same around 100 uh, uh, ski teachers, okay. ski instructors. And those 50 local mountain guides, are they um, IFMGA registered or? 
certified? Uh, uh, there is uh, around 30 who is uh, uh, FMGA uh, mounting guides uh, in our um, system structure of association. We also have uh, Alpine guide uh, who is doing who is doing guiding only uh, climbing and summer, and we have also a ski guide who is doing only uh, winter and ski and snowboarding. So they are not uh, uh, internationally certified, but the right. rest uh, thirty uh, we have IFMGA mountain guides. And and is it possible to become certified in within Georgia now? Because I believe you were working when when I was in Georgia with you. I believe we, we discussed the fact that you were trying to sort of get a, the Georgian mountain guides sort of system recognized internationally. Has that happened? Uh, that was the biggest thing what happened uh, during the pandemic. So after, um, let's say, around 20 years of uh, work, uh, we uh, the first became candidates of FMGA. And then last year uh, in Chamonix, there was a general assembly of FMGA uh, in Chamonix. We got uh, uh, full uh, recognition from the uh, International Mountain Guide Association, uh, which means all of the trainings, what we are doing in Georgia for the mountain guides, uh, it's uh, recognized from the International Association and automatically all of them are IFMGA guides. Oh, that's brilliant. That's great news. Congratulations, because I know you were working quite heavily to, to okay. make that happen. So that's, that's brilliant news. And um, are the courses, do you ever run them in English? For, for you know, non-Georgian nationals? Because it would be a great place to, presumably a lot cheaper than Chamonix, to come to... To get your qualifications. <laughs> Actually, uh, this is also um, one more interesting thing for Georgians. Um, big part of uh, um, costs government is paying for them uh, because, like this kind of uh, this kind of jobs, uh, they and professions, uh, they want to motivate people that not everyone is uh, becoming lawyer and or doctors or because this is more popular in georgia like we have a lot of a uh, lot of lawyers and they they just then they go to the uh, i don't know like uh, in the uh, delivery companies working or somewhere like this kind of place okay. and they, they have really cool uh, uh they they have diplomas but they're not working with their jobs and so the government is uh, motivating people to do this kind of uh, uh, professions that that's why they are paying for locals. Mm. Uh, we are uh, starting to do trainings, uh, um, international trainings, uh, but first it will be uh, short uh, for uh, avalanche safety or like uh, specific uh, trainings uh, for rope management, for example. So we have a few different uh, short, like week, uh, one week uh, uh, trainings. It's not for the mountain guides. Uh, Everyone can do that kind of training who wants to improve knowledge uh, in the mountains. Um, and the next step will be, uh, we, we're working for that uh, to do also uh, international mountain guide trainings, but it takes some, takes some time. And we think like after three, four years, it will be uh, possible. Okay, brilliant. And then when you're training the Georgians, presumably, um language is quite or second languages is, is quite important for the guides i mean let's face it there's not too many people outside of georgia that, that speak georgian i mean there are obviously but not uh, 
not that many. <laughs> <laughs> not that many. I'd say it's quite uh, the hard language to to <laughs> uh, to learn because like we don't have uh, like um, relative languages, so it's it's separate. It's very old and it's unique. So it's really hard to uh, hard hard to learn for foreigners. Mm. Well, that's I mean, it's such brilliant news because the last time I spoke to you, as I said already, was a few years ago, and you know you were sort of a startup really then and it sounds like you're really established and you're getting recognition and and you know personally i think mestia and, and the spinetti region is you know it's world class so you know people should be coming to see you do you could you tell us a little bit about um the region you know how like how big the mountains are what sort of infrastructure there is what people would expect if they were coming for a holiday uh sure yeah i will i will i will try to be uh, a bit short because like i can talk about swanity <laughs> region no, no, we love it day, all day um uh, uh, uh you mean uh, uh swanity or all georgia or... Uh, well i mean you're you're predominantly based in this Panetti region aren't you so let's just stick to there for a bit first if we can just yeah what you if you were coming as a split border or a ski tour or what what you know you'd expect from the village or the, the lift system or you know the terrain on offer that sort of thing swanity as i uh, mentioned it before it's uh, it's new region uh, where it opened for for tourists and for guests before it was uh, it was closed it was controlled with the local uh, uh, local groups and that it was not uh, that uh, safe to, uh, to, to come. It's like uh, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but then uh, government uh, saw how much potential in this uh, area. Uh, so they started to become um, this area as a touristic place. And uh, they pretty successfully accomplished uh, after some years. So at this moment, it's uh, uh, super safe. Um, because also locals, they, they, they saw that uh, their future and uh, uh, their jobs uh, is uh, in the tourism. So that's the best and fun and uh, um, nice uh, uh, jobs to do. So they also uh, became partners for the governments to become this uh, area, uh, area uh, welcome for, uh, for tourists. When you say there were some people looking after the place ten years ago, you mean there was there was families of bandits that would rob everybody, and the <laughs> the military came in and there was a bit of a mini gunfight war type thing <laughs> to clear the region. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's true. So some like in in the in that years, this family. Uh, they got so much uh, 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 guns and all kinds of military uh, <laughs> equipment. Uh, they uh, shut down the helicopter. So they, they, they. <laughs> so there was a one helicopter uh, <laughs> patrolling the around, and they saw, and they just uh, <laughs> shot it down. Well, government helicopter. Yeah, government helicopter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was one family and uh, none of the other around, like none of the locals were happy with this uh, family, but they were just controlling uh, everything. And the plus it's like a bit, uh, a bit uh, uh, far from all of the other regions uh, and all of, that, uh, all of the towns. So once you are there, 
uh, uh, you are like more remote place. So you mm. don't have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, connections. So that's why that place stayed uh, <laughs> like that. Yeah, the, 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 the entrance to the Mestia Valley is easily controlled strategically, isn't it? If you've, you, know, yeah, you... <laughs> you live in one of these, um, uh, because there are a lot of like fortifications, very, very old fortifications and uh, that sort of thing, aren't there? So yeah, one family could hold the, the mouth of the valley. Exactly. Yeah, there is so many stories for, from 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 that time. Uh, but yeah, now it's uh, it's it, it's safe and safe. And uh, um, region became one of the most popular place in Georgia. Uh, the government is also supporting a lot uh, um, to uh, to 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 progress and improve uh, in this uh, in in this region. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, before first it was uh, more for the summer. Uh, more for climbing, for mountain climbing. Uh, we have uh, one also like a quite famous uh, mountain, very technical and famous all over the world. It's a uh, uh, Mount Ushba, 4,800 meter. It's like uh, uh, two peak, uh, yeah, two, two peak uh, summit, very, very, very popular. So a lot of people were trying to uh, climb there, but it's very technical. Uh, we have also Mount Tetnumbi, and uh, uh, one of the uh, biggest, uh, uh, biggest mountain in, uh, in Europe. It's the third one, it's 5,200 meter. Uh, so uh, this uh, uh, summer activities was quite, uh, quite uh, um, popular in the beginning. Uh, and then they start to build the uh, uh, ski lifts. So now there is two, uh, two uh, different resorts, Tetnuldi Resort and Hatsvali Resort. Uh, where uh, we have, uh, they're all adding every year new, new, new lifts. So four or five uh, uh, lifts, uh, and which triggered to became also for the for for, for skiers uh, for the winter uh, winter activity, um, and which is great. Uh, this uh, uh, these ski resorts are not huge. It's not like in the Alps or uh, like really big resorts, but it helps you. Uh, to to go in that locations from there you can start really cool uh, ski touring so you can do this transportation going up somewhere and then just do some free riding and then hike a little bit more and then again uh, free ride and then uh, come back to the uh, ski resort and do like different kind of uh, different kind of runs uh, this is a, a one kind of uh, um ski touring and skiing activities uh, you can do in uh, in uh, georgia in swaneti and another uh, is um, we do a village to village uh, uh, touring so it's pretty same as hat to hat what uh, we have in europe uh, but uh, here we stay in the village in the guest house and then uh, you can just hike up on the like pass or saddle on the mountain, and then you can ski down uh, to another village, and then uh, you stay to the another village. Uh, but these villages have connection uh, with the car road, so all of the luggage, like main luggage, uh, you can take with the with the, with the car. So you you need only uh, day pack, yeah. uh, and yeah. then you can do like week almost. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say about the resorts because um, people's uh, preconceptions of maybe what the Georgian resorts are like, but the um, 
all the lifts are brand new, aren't they? Or within, you know, 10 years or so, or whenever the, the resorts were first sort of established. So they're brand new sort of Pommer style lifts. Um, and whilst the areas or the, the quantity of lifts might not be very large, the actual terrain that they access, particularly if you're happy to use a taxi and things to get back to resort or whatever, is, is huge. And, um, and also uh, the cost is so good compared to the rest of the world i mean i was there with my family and my son's lift pass this was just pre-pandemic i think was 16 euros for the whole week i mean for a whole week you know it's 40 euros a day in in europe and then you know when they then add lunch was sort of a hachapuri big sort of pizzery cheesy thing with egg was sort of two euros it's you know (laughs) It's so affordable, and uh, and whilst um, there's not that many lifts, we never queued. We were there February half term, and we didn't queue once. Whereas in France, you'd be paying, you know, three, four times the amount of money. You might have a much larger resort, but you're standing in queues for a lot of that time, you know, during school holidays. So it's, I don't think it's just uh, an amazing destination for for tourists. It's also, you know, an amazing destination for intermediate skiers really or people who are just finding their first steps off piste you know and even and you know kids families too i think it's great yeah yeah and it wasn't uh certainly when we went there pete um ridiculously wasn't expensive to to get there flying uh i seem to recall i think i think we got there turkish airlines i think we went uh is no, it? we went Wizz Air from Luton to Kutaisi. Wizz Air, that was it. I don't know. It was, it was something like, uh, yeah, including your... And they were very generous with um, skiing and splitboarding luggage, weren't they? I don't know. It was something in the order of 100, 140 quid. Um, yeah, yeah I think I, I was actually looking because I think that um, uh, route is currently unavailable. But you can go via, if you're in the UK, for instance, you can go via Istanbul. And I was looking last night and it's, you know, for February, it was around, um, excuse me, it was around uh, sort of 200 pounds, 250 pounds. But I mean, obviously, this is quite far in advance, but it's really affordable. But that seems to be to uh, Batumi, is it? On the Black Sea coast? Correct. Yeah, there is also Batumi flight and there is... Uh, also, uh, direct flights uh, from uh, from London to T- Tbilisi with the uh, Georgian Airlines. Yeah. Okay, and um, it's quite a way, isn't it, from Tbilisi? Though it's, there is a little flight, isn't there, from Tbilisi to to Kutaisi? Uh, there is. A, there oh, is not to Kutaisi. Sorry, into into Mestia. Into Mestia. Yeah, there is a forty minute. Uh, domestic flight from Tbilisi to uh, to Mestia. Is that very reliable, that flight? Uh, it's a small plane, uh, so they are very depending on the on, on the weather. So uh, if it's uh, if it's good weather, yeah, they they're flying uh, three times in a week. Uh, so that's also quite. Uh, that's an option. It's option. I mean, how far is the drive from Tbilisi to, to Mestia? Yeah, it's uh, with the stops eight hours. Right, so it's a full day. 
from from six to eight yeah maybe if you if you go to the winter then snow on the road so it takes eight hour right and what about from uh, batumi on the black sea coast it's around four hours okay so that's a better option what's the uh, the weather like on the black sea coast in the winter could you have a day on the beach uh, actually, <laughs> actually no yeah i know and <laughs> I, I never had uh, time now it's very busy uh, but uh, uh, in the in, in the winter yeah it's a uh, nice town and uh, lots of it's it's built for the for the summer yeah okay. so there are a lot of uh, um, hotels and some activities uh, people are doing there and then um, coming back to the sort of touring and stuff what um, what sort of terrain is on offer you sort of talk, said about the style as in you, you know day tours or lift access tours um, and then village to village but the actual terrain itself, what, what sort of altitudes are you touring at? And is it forested or open? Or? Uh, this is also uh, well, like what I really like in Swan ATG uh, because you have so many, so many options. Uh, you have a, a forest, so you can do um, skiing and touring in the forest. Uh, you have, a, a, let's say, a, classical ski touring uh, you can go to uh, like 2800 uh, 3000 3400 uh, is the highest uh, point you can uh, ski tour uh, and not climb so uh, 3400 you can ski tour and then uh, ski down from there uh, and plus you can do also um, alpine uh, touring so you can go touring and then uh, with the mountain equipment you can climb and if you like some couloirs or nice slopes or more steep uh, you can do uh, that kind of uh, uh, touring uh, and uh, yeah yeah it's uh, the you can find all kind of uh, uh, steepness uh, steep terrains uh, less uh, less rocky it's uh, mostly summer it's it's grass so we don't have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, rock or boulder uh, terrain, so it's more uh, open, uh, wide uh, slopes you can you, you can ski. So yeah, all kind. <laughs> right, and with the um, that sort of alpine style uh, rope access stuff, would that um, would there be a better time of year? Would spring be better, or or is, is that available pretty much all year round, all winter round? Sorry. Uh, correct. Yes, uh, uh, spring is uh, is is better. Uh, it's uh, for for safety, uh, for uh, temperature, for uh, access. Uh, usually, we start uh, alpine uh, touring uh, late winter and spring. And okay. almost some places where is uh, where is uh, when you can access to the glacier. Uh, for example, uh, this winter. Uh, we did uh, uh, ski to alpine uh, touring end of May, so it was like twenty eighth of May, I think. Yeah. Oh, really? That late? Yeah, yeah. Because you have glacier and it's uh, uh, exposed to the north, uh, so snow stays quite quite long. So it was quite nice spring uh, alpine skiing. Um, did you have a long walk in to get to the glacier? What? Did you have a long walk in, or could you sort of uh, get the? Uh, Get the Mitsubishi up there. 
Not, not that much because uh, in the summer, a lot of these uh, this, uh, fields are used for the farmers. So there are a lot of uh, car roads. So you drive uh, quite, a, quite, quite, quite a lot when it's, when it's dry. But of course, you need, to, uh, you need to walk like 30, I think, 30 minutes, maximum one hour uh, to start for, uh, for the snow. Yeah. I know uh, earlier you mentioned Ushbar and I know you were trying to do a winter ascent. Have you, have you managed to do that yet? Uh, not yet. I was, uh, I was planning uh, um, during the COVID. So I had a team to go there. Uh, we were uh, three in the group and both of them, they got COVID. Oh, <laughs> so... no. <laughs> Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, next year I don't have time, so it's uh, still a uh, project. And how many times have you been up Bushbar now? Uh, I've been uh, 10 times. 10 times. 10 times uh, already. I tried uh, 15 times, and out of 50, I did uh, 10. <laughs> okay, so 60% success rate. Yeah, 66. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and then with the. Um, the people that you take out guiding, if people were contemplating coming to visit and, and guide with you do, you, do you have sort of a series of questions you ask them or do you just accept a booking, take them somewhere mellow on the first day and assess them? I mean, how do you, how do you plan that out? Uh, it's always uh, to, um, to uh, share and get some information uh, from, the, uh, from the guests. In the beginning, before they they, they come, um, because we are not like regular tourist uh, uh, companies, so we always get a lot of information from the guests, and according to this information, uh, we try to uh, build a proposal and uh, tours for uh, for 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 them. Uh, it's depending more for the experience, uh, of course, uh, they have. And uh, within this experience, uh, then uh, because we have a lot of options there, you can do from the beginning to the very professional and steep uh, skiing and uh, climbing. Uh, we need to know uh, their uh, knowledge and experience uh, to find the right uh, right trip with them. Um, and then uh, when they arrive, um, uh, if uh, if if it's not only one day request, if it's uh, the program week or two weeks or ten days. Uh, first day, uh, we trying to do uh, easy hike to um, to see uh, their um, uh, how they either walk, how they ski, what their experience, what their uh, knowledge, and then after this, uh, we are uh, going more and more uh, steeper and uh, uh, harder uh, roads and uh, terrain. Uh, plus, um, what uh, we uh, always do is um, avalanche training. So one day uh, we take a uh, um, whole day uh, for that. We're doing most of uh, the guests. Uh, they, have, uh, they have knowledge, more or less. Uh, but this is the thing you don't, uh, 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 fortunately, you don't use it. <laughs> so you don't need to uh, use uh, your um, avalanche transceiver or probe or shovel. So it's very easy to easy to forget. Even me, I'm doing all my life. In the beginning of the season, I always take a few days and uh, doing training for myself to, uh, to, to uh, remember it well. So one day we do uh, avalanche, avalanche training and then uh, we start regular program. It depends on the program and 
goes next days and next days. Do you have a sort of ballpark figure of, of how much, say, a day would cost? You know, say you were a group of, I don't know, four people, you wanted a guide and you wanted a nice hotel. Maybe you were coming for the whole week, but just sort of ballpark figure of how much maybe a day would cost? Or... If I'm not wrong, so it depends, like, because there's a lot of different kind of uh, hotels. Yeah. Places, if you go to the ski resort or so if you go to the, yeah, just uh, touring, uh, we say from... 200 euros goes up to uh, 500 euros per per day. So this is like uh, range, but yeah, uh, yeah. Would that be per person? Uh, for a group, yeah. For a group. For, for, for a group, yeah. For a group of like four, yeah. So like if there was four of you and you stayed in a, in a you know, a nice basic guest house, you could be paying 50 euros a day for the guide and the guest house. Yeah, exactly. So one person, yeah, one person is from uh, 50, 50 euro to uh, 200 euro. So this is a yeah. range for one day for one. Yeah, which is great, great value. And then uh, one thing I really remember, which is a bit um, off, off the sort of norm, is the food was absolutely amazing. Could you? <laughs> and the wine. I know uh, Andy loves a bit of Georgian wine, don't you, Andy? <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you're saying there, Pete, but yes, I do. Yeah, it's very sweet, isn't it? Not, uh, not actually. There is sweet wines also, but uh, personally, I don't like sweet wines. But there is a lot of uh, dry, not sweet wines. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember uh, when we were there, Andy and uh, Romy having a, some sweet wine and absolutely loving it. And it was, yeah, I didn't like it, but I do love the. Uh, the dry stuff is brilliant and, and very affordable and the food as well was really amazing i mean i'm vegetarian and there was there were good uh, good veggie options too generally in georgia uh, food is uh, quite good and it's a big uh, big culture all every region have their own uh, traditional food which is quite different to another even in this uh, small country and uh, swanity is one of the one of the unique um, people are very traditional there that's why they kept a lot of uh, um, the recipes and a lot of food uh, from all of the traditions. So you can find all kinds of food there uh, and menu, uh, the, which is, um, I really like it. A lot of things are very fresh, um, not, uh, not veggies in the, in, in the winter. Of course, they bring it from the other uh, region. Um, but uh, they have a lot of uh, farms there, so cows and milk and uh, mm, uh, this kind of food is uh, uh, super fresh and bread. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I just remember being really impressed with with the bars and uh, and the whole sort of vibe of the town. You know, you, you there was quite often sort of impromptu singing by uh, by a group of locals. And we went in one bar and there was just sort of about 12 women all sitting around a table drinking wine and they were just suddenly broke into song. It was magical. And um, the other thing that really struck me as well was uh, when, you, when you're walking through the town, the roads are pretty rough and there's a lot of livestock, isn't there? There's sort of dogs and pigs and cows and they're sort of walking through the streets. And I think if you had a sort of filter and you suddenly turned it all black and white, it would it would just be exactly like the sort of black and white photos you get of, of the Alps and Chamonix from sort of, you know, 150 years ago or whatever. It's, it's a really wild, um, wild place. Just the infrastructure is quite well. It's quite rough travel. I mean, the hotels are lovely and the food's great. And 
but just the whole sort of moving moving around is is quite a quite an experience i mean the roads are quite gnarly aren't they if you want to get out to um Ushba, the the road's pretty nuts correct yeah when i'm <laughs> when i when i'm saying uh, farmers like farmers is uh, uh families so they own uh, uh farm so you see a lot of cows not a lot but some cows and pigs are just a uh, free walk around yeah yeah just free range <laughs> but just to come back to something you said earlier about um you know the the locals welcoming tourists you hear that about a lot of places but i think it's more <laughs> it's more true in georgia than in a lot of places I remember when we checked into our into our you know it was a it was a it was a, it was a good cheap hotel but the, the 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 warmth of the reception and the way we basically started feeling like family after just a couple of days there was really really amazing and uh, i actually was lucky enough to work in tbilisi uh several years ago and uh i can remember uh traveling back to the uk uh chatting to a young teacher who'd gone out there for uh, some work experience and he'd he'd uh, stayed in a and taught in a fairly remote little village for a, several months and he was completely knackered because every day when he finished work he would walk back through the village and get invited into house after house after house and given wine and food and <laughs> regaled with stories and singing and he <laughs> i think he got almost no sleep in that uh, in that period he absolutely loved it and uh, we <laughs> we uh, we got a little bit more sleep than that but but there was that same sense of really deep hospitality and pride in the country and people wanting to show you you know their food and tell you about their wine it was it was fantastic yeah it is a magical place um i guess i do have to to ask about um the war in ukraine has has that affected you at all because you obviously border russia georgia and there's a bit of a disputed territory i think um yeah so um uh, we had the same experience uh, some years ago with uh, with russia so uh two of uh, the regions in georgia abkhazeti and Ossetia, is uh, still occupied um, by russians uh, but uh, at this moment uh, uh, for the um uh, with the russian so we don't there is no uh, any kind of like uh, um, some war or activity uh, yeah. georgia and russia so uh, but it's uh, uh, it's more i hear a lot uh, but it's more of uh, more media uh, because in the news it's uh, if you really don't know uh, the, uh, this area it's hard to um, hard to know uh, uh, what's going on uh, everyone think that it also in, in, in Georgia is also war. Also in Georgia, there is a problem. It's only in, in Ukraine. Uh, so uh, actually, physically, we don't have any uh, any problems right now. Uh, but it's affected to the uh, for the for the tourism in Georgia. So uh, this uh, uh, this uh, winter uh, when it started, a lot of uh, uh, groups and guests were cancelled uh, because they didn't. Oh, really? need what's it's happening uh but in summer now it's um, more or less uh, it's starting to be uh active um 
So yeah. Has, has it affected the flights? Because obviously quite historically, a lot of flights would have presumably gone into Ukrainian airspace. I mean, I guess they just, I don't know, are they being diverted or is it, uh, are they cancelling flights? Or? No, actually I, I was uh, re just reading an uh, um, article about the Georgian flights and uh, it's, it's, it's affecting during the COVID, of course, pandemic, but after, after pandemic, 72% uh, of flights already happening. So it's, it's came, uh, came back. Right. I did actually look yesterday, because um, I knew I was going to be talking to you about um, how to get uh, to Georgia overland. And um, it looked quite, quite a long journey from the UK, certainly. Uh, via Turkey, it looked like the best way. You had to get the train across Turkey and, and into Georgia that way. It did. It did look. Um, yeah. So Andy, uh, last year was was trying not to fly at all. I think you achieved it, didn't you, Andy? Almost. Almost. Uh, yeah. Did several thousand kilometers of uh, of training around. Um, uh, ended up in Sweden. And the uh, return from Sweden by train was going to take something like four days and nine trains and a bus because of engineering works that were going on. So at that point, I decided that uh, I had to get back to work. And, um, and, and so there was one flight that I did at the end of the season. Um, yeah, and I have thought about uh, traveling to Georgia by train and the Eurail pass will get you all the way to the Turkish border. Wow. Um, and yeah, you know, I imagine you could do that in three days or something like that of, uh, of, of continual trains, three or four days. Uh, and then, yeah, once uh, you just have to get across the border, that bit I'm not sure about, Ilya. How would you get across the border from Turkey to, to Georgia? I guess there are buses and... Uh, uh... Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of buses because uh, we have good connection with uh, with Turkey. Uh, and uh, just uh, last year, uh, they uh, there is a, a train connection uh, which they were building uh, quite a long time. It was paused, but now they they start to work. Um, and I think in a few years uh, it will be. Now it's only for the for the um, how would say um, luggage and uh, container. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. From next year they're planning to become regular. Just everyone can travel uh, with the with the train. Uh, but now it's uh, it's a um, good connection with the bus. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you have to get to Esrum, don't you? Is that correct? I think out um, sort of far east of Turkey. Uh, and then you probably get a bus from there, maybe. Yeah, Izmir, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Uh, not um, <laughs> really. You're not uh, as green as Andy. <laughs> <laughs> because we we loosely base the uh, the pod around uh, fear, failure, and success. I just, I guess, I just wanted to ask ask you about fear, really. Um, especially being a guide, what what do you think fear means to you, Ilya? You know. How, how would you sort of describe fear and how it how it affects your your life and your decision making i think it's a it's a important life que life question you always uh, uh, think uh, about that um, 
this is also different when you are a mountainer and when you are mountain guide like when you are mountainer like you are just uh, responsible to yourself and you just want to do you are in the competition and you do maximum what uh, what you can and uh, you don't think uh, what uh, don't think a lot what comes uh, next uh, but when i changed so i started from mountaineering and when i changed to the mountain id uh, i felt this and then i start to uh, think about that uh, because like all of the safety is uh, comes from the fair so you uh, you think uh, uh, you think always to how to stay uh, how to stay uh, safe and uh, uh, you try to uh, avoid as much as possible. Of course, uh, nothing is 100% safe, uh, but when uh, you're trying to get as much as possible knowledge, uh, understanding the terrain, and once you're in the mountains, also beside the knowledge, uh, you got this uh, gut feeling. Yeah, you you feel something. So this uh, experience and uh, plus knowledge. Um, is a is a good mix to 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 stay uh, to stay safe. So uh, I always think <laughs> about that. Uh, but the only one thing what makes me feel uh, comfortable in the in the mountains it's uh, it's uh, it's knowledge. So I always trying to calculate. Okay, if I see this, what can it happen? What it happened before? What I saw before? Uh, and then it makes you calm and it makes you more comfy to uh, to to um, yeah to work and to be in the mountains. Uh, otherwise, if you are in the mountains and always because there is so many so many risks and so many uh, things to manage, if you always think about fear, then <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, not easy. And I think that's why a lot of people. Uh, not a lot, but some people they go to the mountains, they do, and they don't feel comfortable, and then they 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 don't continue this job, and or they just don't go to the to, to the to the mountains. But this feeling that uh, you accomplish something, and then even you felt your fear, and then uh, uh, because your knowledge or because of uh, right decision making, uh, you accomplished it. After this, it's uh, it's. Uh, one of the best feeling <laughs> I'm looking in the in the mountains. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I mean, it's really unhealthy. I think to be terrified the whole time. If you're just scared the whole time, <laughs> you just well, one, you can't make, you know, the correct decisions or rational decisions. Um, I just I don't know if you you've heard of them, but um, on the Isle of Skye, which is on the Inner Hebrides, on the, the sort of west coast of um, Scotland, there's a, a mountain range called the Coolins, and it's the most continuous alpine ridge in the UK, basically. It's a sort of knife edge ridge. And um, I did it a few weeks ago with my wife. She'd always wanted to do it ever since she was about eight and read about it in a book. Um, so she's been wanting to do it for many years. And often you can't do it because of the weather, it's not right. Or... But we did it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it took uh, 21 hours of walking. We had a sleep in between, but we did two 10 and a half hours days. And um, I have to say, I was terrified. <laughs> so when, you, when we were on the rope and we were actually climbing or sort of doing hard scrambling, it was fine. I felt 
able to process it. But because we had to keep moving quickly and we're sort of walking on relatively easy terrain, but that was really, really consequential. So, you know, you were sort of walking down slippery rock with stones on it and it, it wasn't particularly technically difficult, but if you fell, you know, you'd, you'd plumb it off. And because we weren't on ropes at this for large periods of that sort of terrain, by the end of the 10 and a half hours, I was absolutely exhausted. And I have to admit, in, in my mind, I was thinking, I wonder how it would go down if I said I don't really fancy tomorrow. <laughs> but but <laughs> I, did, I did manage to have some sleep and, and crack on the next day. And, and we did it, which was an amazing achievement. And yeah, at the end of it, it was brilliant. But yeah, I think that, that was possibly the longest I think I've ever been sort of exposed to fear you know, because normally it's quite a small thing, isn't it? You know, you sort of, you're at the top and you don't really fancy dropping in, but, you know, you sort of think, oh, right, I'm going to do it. And once you get in and you start making a few turns, you feel okay. But this was just sort of hour after hour of being terrified. So anyway, that's a little personal story. Um, and then what about failure? How do you, how, what do you think about failure? Do you, do you sort of use it to your advantage? um uh, i will i will comment with the with the, the previous uh previous uh story you you, yeah. you were saying and yeah like when you have fear i think uh also the very uh very important is to make the uh, right decision when you feel it so when you feel something the most important is to make a right decision so people who doesn't have fear it's danger so it means you you have like zero knowledge and you have uh, <laughs> zero like uh uh, reality at that moment so you should you should have it and then if you have it then to make a right uh, right uh, uh, decision yeah uh, yeah I, I mean I guess that comes on to failure doesn't it because you could sort of you could query whether failing to meet an objective you know is is actually you know the right the right thing to do I mean you said you've been at Ushba you know a sort of 66 percent success rate so on the other 33 or whatever percent you know you turn around and you could view that as failure or you could view that as uh, making the right decision and being alive to go again uh exactly yeah so every like every uh every uh, failure and uh, if uh, something doesn't went as i was planned before uh because uh i'm also teacher and i'm collecting uh, stories and experience from for for my students uh, I'm trying to do, uh, to go through all of the steps, what happened, how it started, because it's always like a chain. So usually it's not, uh, it, you don't have problem uh, at that moment when you see the problem. Usually it's much more earlier starting something. Uh, of course, everything uh, can happen, but if you, uh, if you didn't miss any part of this chain and you are really following uh, uh, right instruction and knowledge, then uh, uh, you have much more uh, uh, possibility to accomplish um, everything. So yeah, that's uh, what can I say? I'm just always uh, trying and always uh, sharing all of these cases with my with my friends, just private and just uh, the uh, person and uh, uh, people who have knowledge on this uh, on this uh, field. Uh, to share and then to 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 see what uh, uh, could be done, uh, what was uh, what was wrong, and uh, 
this is the uh, way I think how uh, mountaineering and guiding and all of the profession is 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 growing. Yeah, like you uh, discuss all of the uh, all of the stories, and then you make a decision not to have the same problem next <laughs> next mm. time. Yeah. Yeah, that makes to- makes total sense. And then, um, how about success? I mean, you're you've obviously sort of started the Georgia Guide Office, you know, from scratch, from from, from nothing, going into a, a relatively new area that's been opened up to the, you know, made safe. Um, how, I mean, that's obviously successful in itself. That you 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 know, you're still here. You've seen through the pandemic, and, and you know, you haven't got enough guides for the people that want to come. Where where would you like to see the, the business in or maybe in and yourself in i don't know say the next five years or 10 years um uh, for me uh, uh it's um it's more like lifestyle than 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 the than the business because i also do uh, other things and the guide office is uh became an idea is uh, a more platform from the guides so I see a guide office as a place where uh, guides are coming. Uh, we sit together, we make new events, we talk what uh, this profession and field uh, needs, and then we take these uh, uh, stories and subjects, the places where it should be uh, uh, decided. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I see that a lot of uh, guests uh actually not 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 a lot of guests uh but like some amount of guests are coming to swanetti and then we can uh uh, share our uh experience and uh, our terrain and culture uh uh, quality (laughs) so this is always when we when we talk and when we have a, a future vision that it should be quality so when someone is coming, uh, someone uh, to work personally with this uh, with this uh, guest, that not just a, like a um, touristic attraction, then it's just uh, spinning and spinning and spinning. So that everyone goes with a good feeling uh, from 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 uh, from Swanetti, uh, because I think that mountain guides are the um, ambassadors in the country. So. Uh, they share all of the information about country, they show them, they tell the stories. And then if the guide is quality and if you're sharing uh, everything quality, then it's, it, it's, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is two things I think I see <laughs> in the future. And what about then if, for you, if it's a lifestyle, have you got any personal goals or plans other than getting up Ushbar in the winter? uh always there is always projects there is always something happening going on and uh, uh and, uh, and 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 then plans uh of course during pandemic it was uh hard to uh to uh do some projects and uh, go uh somewhere uh, mostly outside from the country uh but uh, now i'm planning to go to the central asia for some climbing I have this um, plan because more or less now you can start to uh, to, to to travel, and uh, also uh, South America for uh, for skiing, also okay. skiing mm. 
skiing and uh, filming. Uh, so this is uh, two future projects, which is uh, which still needs some uh, <laughs> parts to be came together. Are, are you allowed to share the um, Central Asia project, or is it secret? Uh, not, 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 not secret. It's 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 not secret, but. Uh, uh, there is still uh, I'm still looking for some information and it's not exactly uh, what uh, uh, information at this moment we want uh, but it's uh, yeah it's from China in China we want to climb a, a China Kyrgyzstan border uh, one oh. mountain which is not not climbed this is mountains very popular but it's not climbed from China so uh, okay so first, first ascent yeah yeah for my first ascent of that route yeah Oh, wow, that sounds exciting. Um, well, it's been really, really lovely catching up and chatting with you and very informative. So thanks a lot for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. Thanks man. a lot, Ilya. It's been really wonderful to catch up again. And, um, Looking forward yeah. to the next time. Yeah, we definitely, uh, you know, wish you all the best for the future. And, um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for finding the time to chat. Thank you for, for, for inviting. I'm always uh, happy to, to share and I'm happy to see you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.